I think it's important for you to know that I barely made it here today. Why? What I, happened? I didn't even like tell you when I first saw you because it was so traumatic that it would have taken away from it. What happened? So um, we got a new couch. And you know that time in your life where you get your your like couch, like your parents, they had this, like my parents, they had this one couch for their whole life. Yeah. I'm not at that stage yet. I still have. But we just got our couch for the rest of our, or like for the next number of years. Wow. What does it look like? Why does this make your trip here traumatic? It, we are on the third floor. Yeah. And it was the heaviest thing I've ever had to lift. Oh, oh, was it like the scene in France? Pivot. I pivot. I was saying pivot. pivot. I was saying pivot. <laughs> and I had to lift it above my head. But there's a point where my arms were shaking. I was out of strength and I was lifting it with my head to like get it vertical. Right. And, right, right. and there's a moment where there's sweat dripping down my face. There's a couch pressed up against my face. And I'm thinking adulthood is not worth this <laughs> i hate this or like i'm n- i'm not gonna make it out of this do you know what's light ikea couches they come in twenty five thousand parts <laughs> with horrible instructions and they scream i'm 22 and have an okay back and can sleep on this <laughs> welcome to scene partners <laughs> hey everybody thank you for joining us for episode number two yeah, I guess if you made it to this point, you've fully acknowledged like episode one wasn't so bad. And it's it there's room to grow. I think r- there's a base there. People have invested in us and they want to see where we go, where we go, where we take it from there. But yeah, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, I'm Ryan. I'm Christina. Uh, we're here to talk about comedy, talk about life, talk, talk about, about politics, pol- religion, pop- relationships, culture. friendships, pets. Yeah. S- romance. Yeah, and we have a we have another guest joining us today. Matt Barrow from uh, Improv Embassy is joining us. Matt's a veteran improver. Um, he does a lot of sketch comedy as well. I think mm-hmm. he's done some stand up. Uh, he's performed at Del Close Marathon, which is pretty cool. Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. So Matt's going to join us at the end of the episode. Exciting. And uh, yeah, but how are you doing? You started a new job today. I did. It was really exciting. Yeah. Uh, More exciting was my last day at my old job, which was on Friday. Okay. Uh, Just to sort of paint a picture of the type of office I came from, they threw me a going away party, which was lovely. It was a barbecue. It was so nice of them. Uh, They then presented me with a 20-pound sheet cake the size of a house that said Happy Retirement, (laughs) Christina, at the right page of 28. Uh, But that is, they then uh, had a slideshow for me that was just (laughs) pictures of me through my years in the movement. Uh, But every picture zoomed in as close as possible to my (laughs) face. And everyone in the office watched it. There's 15 of us viewing the slideshow. And it was to the song Graduation by Vitamin C. I think you're so deep into it. You don't even realize that you said the movement. For people who don't know where you work, yeah. they're going to say, what the hell yeah, is that? The student movement <laughs> or the aerobic studio I worked at for several years. It's up to you. Uh, okay. So and was it sad? Did you cry? You know, uh, I, I know teared, you're an emotional person. I am so. a very emotional person. I teared up during the slideshow, which I okay. think was the most embarrassing point to tear up <laughs> because, again, it was like five minutes of pictures of me zooming in on my face. And what we realized is I made three facial expressions the whole time I worked there. <laughs> 
One was a frown, which is concerning. I think mostly it was fake, sometimes very real. Uh, the other was just my mouth hanging open because I breathed through my mouth. And the third was me trying so hard to be photogenic that my eyes are just like so still, but my mouth is just trying to smile as big as possible. And I'm like, damn, I look good. <laughs> um, do you have like a, a, a photographic smolder that you can do? No. <laughs> okay. Have you ever met a mouth breather that's like, don't worry, I've got smoldering eyes. Okay. I, I, I would like to try to improve mine. Your smolder eyes. Yeah, because I was, um, I went on a, on a date with my wife. I, was just I went on a date with say. my wife and we were sitting across from each other yeah. and there was like a candle and we were drinking wine and I thought, all right, let's see Spice what you got. Spice things up. And I, and I did this. I, I've never done this before. I'm not a, I'm not a smooth person or like seductive in any way. But the way I touched the wine glass, I kind of like gr- glistened my finger around like the rim. Ooh. And I just felt like that was really like sensual. Like I probably looked really hot. And then I tried to smolder. Can we stop for a second? <laughs> the moment that you are touching a wine glass and you think that was really hot is the moment that it is the least <laughs> hot thing you could have possibly done. I, I guess I've been watching enough Bachelor where I feel like I've learned the how to hold a glass in a sexy way. I've never noticed that they do that. I'm going to look the for guy, that now. Watch the guys hold while, well, yeah, watch the guys hold their glasses. They try, you can tell they try to hold it like they're masculine. Like, like look at this. I hold my wine glass with two hands, kind of like a <laughs> sippy cup and just bring it up. And mm. then it usually dribbles down my chin a like bit. A, and that's when I pull out the smolder eyes. Yeah. I'm like, mm, check me out. <laughs> um, but, did you like all in all though mm-hmm. you started your new job how how do things go today? it's really exciting okay um everyone's super nice i have a mail slot everyone was just really surprised at how excited i was at everything yeah. i have my own office with a huge window okay i look over the parking lot i feel really cool uh <laughs> oh, i have a mail janice slot. is late today <laughs> fucking janice <laughs> Um, no, it's really exciting. Okay. I'm really, really happy and looking forward to it. It's going to be very busy. Uh, I already told, um, five coworkers that I'm about to launch a podcast. Literally, I, I, somebody was talking to me today and I, I said, oh, I have something, you know, that I need to do tonight. And you wouldn't say what it was. And I said, I'm going to a birthday party. Ryan, you need <laughs> to be more true to yourself. Like I, I don't straight up lie to people. That is a straight up lie. Except in that situation. Oh my God. Um, If I could wear a shirt that says scene partners coming soon, I would wear it everywhere. Okay. If I had Tinder, my little tagline would be podcast scene partners. I would also want to be your scene partner. Winky face. Fine man. No. Are you looking for a scene partner? Question mark. Winky face. Okay. I have a. Tinder reminded me of something and I have a, I have a theory and I was mm-hmm. thinking about today. So I want to test it out on you. So I was at a, I was watching sports at a sports bar. I I'm, don't buy it. Are you <laughs> lying to me? You going to a birthday party no, after that? I was watching, uh, you're doing another podcast. No, I was watching sports at a sports bar. Yeah. And I was sitting there and, uh, there are these two, they're like cute girls just, but just by themselves, just having a good drink. And then this guy comes up to them. And he starts talking to them and I'm like, 
wow, I've never had the courage to ever do that before in my life. Like I've never gone yeah. up to somebody that I didn't know. And you could tell one of the friends was somewhat interested, engaged. The guy's face was beat red, but still like props to him. He yeah. has courage. But then he was at a table of like all of his bros and all the guys then came and like sat with the girls. And I thought these two girls were having a, a lovely girls night. And then it's just like it was literally like nine on two. Um, nine of these bros and they're all like, I don't know, talking to the friend who hell. wasn't oh, yeah, no. who wasn't into it. And I guess like I've never felt like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go talk to that girl and then I'll like interrupt her night. Like I'm mostly I'm like, oh, that's a terrible inconvenience for you. I'm sorry. I'm just going to like. Yeah. But don't you think that like Tinder has become one of the more like consensual ways of flirting with people? Yeah, I would agree with that. Because that's not consensual at all. Like, these girls could have hated that, but they have no real reason other than making us, like, really what would come across as a scene. Like, yeah. those bros for sure made a scene, but, like, the girls really would have to be like, hey, please leave us alone, and then it would be this weird thing. That happened to me once. I was with a group of, like, eight women. Tell me about it. We went to the Hard and Crown. We were having a great time. Which is a local bar. Which is a local fun bar with a live band. We were dancing. Then we went outside and sat down. And these two guys came out and would not stop talking to us. And we were just having this great girls night. But we are this group of like very intense feminists who I think we're also at the time talking about feminist theory because we're cool (laughs) like that. And we just nicely told them like, hey, we're not none of us are interested. Like, good try. (laughs) Just it's time to go inside. And he wouldn't leave. It's just... I, number one, as a woman, would never do that. Like, I don't think that I have the authority to go into someone else's space and demand that they talk to me and engage with me and be flattered by that. Number one. Number two, when we said no, it was as if we personally offended him and there had to be a reason behind it. Like, well, why not? Mm. Come on. I, I probably just misspoke. It's like, no, you're just coming into this space and... You just think you have full authority over it because of the patriarchy. (laughs) Okay. While I agree with that, I just want to let you know that my first reaction would be to, like, if I was interested in a girl and I wanted to go up over and talk to her, I'd probably apologize to her first. Like, sorry, I'm so sorry for interrupting your night. Not please. (laughs) I would over apologize to the point where they're like, this guy is tripping over himself to apologize. He looks pitiful. I, I, my game is so, so anyway, that's why I was working on my smolder. For when you need to go pick up a girl in a sports bar. If I'm across a room and somebody sees me, I want them to be like, yes. I think if you're across a room, just how you touch a wine glass will be enough for a woman to be like, oh, yeah. Check out that guy. Your eyes could be just shut. All right. Segment time. Okay. So here we wanted to just basically like take a look at something and dissect it a little bit and ask like, is that funny? Was it? Was it? But like, why? Can we joke about that? <laughs> Can we? Who knows? Okay. Was that funny? Have you have you seen anything good this week that you, that you want to ask? Is it funny? I mean, we talked about French from college last, and I thought about it a lot. French from college. Oh God, I, I still have so it. many thoughts about that. Let me know when you finish, and we'll do a whole episode of <laughs> Was that funny? Okay. Um, I've just been watching a lot of old stuff lately. Okay. So let's start. What were you watching? Okay, I. I have two things on my mind, but I'll, I'll say this. Um, I watched When Harry Met Sally the other day. One of the best movies of all time. And it, like... 
spoke to you, broke it's, you down. It's so, how is it so good? Like, Billy Crystal is not an attractive guy. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. That, my friend, is a dark side. Meg Ryan is like, all I want to do is just watch her in movies. Yes! Yes! That genre of, like, romantic comedy is so... It doesn't exist. It has, like... It's really the most conversational driven, like she doesn't like Billy Crystal's character because he's so annoying to talk to, but then they, she falls in love because of com- like just conversations with him. Like it's such a dialogue driven, yeah, funny I never thought movie. about that. It is so funny. I hate the premise of it. Like if I, if I were just given the premise of a movie being, can a man and a woman just be friends? No, 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 no. The answer is no, because they eventually fall in love. So it's actually a no, 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 no. Yes, for a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. No, one of them has underlying feelings, and then they all come up. Not at the start. Well, he remember he's like talking to his friend. He's really defending, like, no, 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 we're just friends. And his yeah. friend's like, oh, yeah, you should Yeah, there's this her. little window yeah. of time where yeah. it's like, yes, you can just be friends. Um I would hate that. If someone <laughs> gave me that premise for a comedy, Here's my pitch. I'd be like, ugh. I got a pitch for you. I hate this yeah. whole concept because I disagree with it. Yeah. And I want it to be based on some reality I also believe in. But then you put it together and you put Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan in New York City. Her wearing her mom jeans. Him being Billy. I'm like, there's nothing better than this. Yeah. And... And it was, it managed to be somehow, it managed to be touching and funny at the same time. And what I'm, what I'm noticing, I think in like romantic comedies now is like the like touching part, they try to make it so real and so heavy. And then the comedy part is, it's either like super cheap slapstick or it's 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 an afterthought. And and I just, I, I guess I'm this week I spent like lamenting the like death of really good rom-coms. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one that's been good recently. Oof. There's not a it's lot. It's like a desert out there. There also just hasn't been any rom-coms lately. But, but why? Are we just like matured out of that? Do we not buy those stories anymore? Oh, I still crave them. I think there's a lot of rom-coms. It's totally, It's a naive storyline. Like, oh, of course, everything ends up fine and they fall in love. Well, for those of you who haven't seen Friends from College, the last episode, there's a spoiler coming. Yeah, but it's very just like everything sucks. And the last five minutes of Friends from College is just like their friendships fall apart, their marriages fall apart and just their careers fall apart. And it sucks. Yeah. And and the romantic comedy style got its legs just by being like optimistic, like everything is fine. And sometimes we need that escape. (laughs) We really do. (laughs) Two things I love about When Harry Met Sally. One is that they have, okay, so they're friends, 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 friends. And then they have that messy night where they have sex because she's really upset about this breakup and he comes over to comfort her. I love that the aftermath of that is awkward. And I thought that was really true to reality that these two people have built this really fundamental friendship in their lives. They've both worked through really messy breakups with each other and rely on each other for that sort of friendship camaraderie. And then they have this one night of drunken passion. And then they wake up and they're like, what have we done? What has this changed? And what could it possibly be? I liked the aftermath of that. 
Also, this is an unpopular opinion. I don't know if it is. I love 90s rom-coms because you know they have sex, but it's just like they touch each other's shoulders <laughs> and then it goes dark and then it's morning. I miss that. Yeah. I just miss being able to watch a movie where I don't see the man's penis. <laughs> Do you have you been seeing a lot of man's penis movies lately? It's just everything I turn on. There's just a sex scene that I'm like, whoa! And I like it in one. This is going down a rabbit hole, but no, I like I it go down this. in one sense because I think it shows the awkwardness of sex more than just like this romanticized lights go dark and it was clearly just perfect and everyone was great. <laughs> Where like some shows now showed like the fumbling and getting used to someone and all of these things that come along yeah. with sex. I just wish it could be done with less penis. What <laughs> movies are these? I can't say I've seen a ton of <laughs> dong lately. I don't know. Maybe I've just been watching too many Netflix shows. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, okay. Um, I'm trying to think of what I've been watching lately. I've been rewatching the Harry Potter movies, but those aren't comedic in their nature. Wow. I mean, there's moments. They're acting in the first two is comedy up front. Um, I've been rewatching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I think is a genius sitcom. I think it's so funny. I have a theory about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Tell me your theory. But, no, keep going. Oh, well, that's what I've been watching. Okay. What's well, your theory? And, and what do you think? Of, what are you? Oh, enjoying? I love Brooklyn okay. Nine-Nine. Yeah, this is probably my third time watching it all through. Um, Amy Santiago is like my, my crush, but is she every person? Like, I don't know. She's so uptight. Did you have a crush on Monica and friends? Cause I find them to be very similar characters. I did. She's competitive. Oh, she's like she... very particular. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, maybe not. <laughs> she's just really nice and she's cute. And she like, is she that nice? I think so. Interesting. Uh, anyway, so here's my theory about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Actually, it ties in really well to When Harry Met Sally. I feel like it's just, it's a simple turn-off-your-brain comedy because you're not thinking hard about it, but it's still funny, and you still like all the characters. I mean, they've worked hard to make it, like, pretty progressive in, like, a modern-day, like, a modern-day, what is it, a sitcom? Oops, sitcom. But at the same time, like, you know what you're getting every time you turn on the TV. You know exactly I what you're getting. I love formulaic shows. Yeah. They are my bread and butter of TV. I like to know yeah, I like to know exactly what I'm going into. And okay. I like all the characters. Just like we talked about last week, I don't like Friends from College because I hate everyone. And it's Friends from College is also kind of a formulaic show in its own ways. But do you like um, Big Bang Theory? Because that is the most formulaic of formulaic shows. The same joke that happened in season one happens now in season whatever. I don't like Big Bang Theory, so I'm trying to think of why I don't like it. I think I liked Big Bang Theory up until probably, I don't know what season it's on, like nine or ten or something. And I think I liked it up until season five. But I think it's just, it's not inherently a bad show. It's just stale. They've gone through all of their material. Whereas Brooklyn Nine-Nine still young enough that... They have running gags and running jokes. They have a Halloween episode every season, but those are my favorite episodes. So I don't think I don't like Big Bang Theory because it's too formulaic. I just think they've run out of material and they're, they're just dragging it. Yeah. I don't know. I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Though. Yeah. I and and I do too. Like, and I get it and I like it too. And I like Friends and I like Seinfeld and I like... 
I'm simultaneously watching three of the most formulaic shows over again. I'm rewatching How I Met Your Mother, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and Friends. All very formulaic, very funny, except I, for the last episode of How I Met Your Mother. I'm punishing How I Met Your Mother for about 10 more years because I'm not just not Because of the last episode? It. Yeah, just because of that. Do you think it's just the curse that... Here's the thing. There's some shows that I think... I have so many thoughts about How I Met Your Mother as well. It is just such a good show that has so many problems. One, uh, it has a lot of homophobia, which is very shitty because it's a good show otherwise but go ahead he's waving at me like uh, um, dude dude who's in it oh neil patrick harris yeah he's gay and he's married and he has kids and doesn't mean he's in the writer's room writing the joke i'm not but he was like a main character and Mm -hmm. a main driver of that show he could be like hey this doesn't fly he would i i don't know how much power he would have had but i could also say like he could have been like, whoa, guys. Yeah, and it's not every episode, but there's just jokes that you're like, oh. Okay. Is that homophobic? Yes, it was. There's also some transphobic jokes on that show. Um, yeah, like there's some, every show has its missteps yeah. uh, that I don't think should be forgiven, but I think you just keep moving along. And I think that show learned and grew from it. It became a more progressive show. Okay, I have a question. Go ahead. Okay. Have you ever, in your performance time, mm-hmm. have you ever done a joke that you regret and you have apologized for? Or maybe even not apologized for, but you regret it and thought, oh, crap, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I'm sure. I can't think of it specifically, but I'm sure there's moments that I say, ooh, should I have said that? Okay. I think uh, in improv shows, I use ableist language sometimes. And I'm like, ooh, I wouldn't have said that if I had a moment to... Hmm. think through this but i think i get flustered on stage and this language i'm still trying to push out of because my vocabulary in like comedy you're well no especially okay there's two sides to that in comedy you're supposed to say if it's if it's funny it's funny but what makes something funny is like do people feel comfortable like you're not gonna laugh when you feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. you do if you're nervous (laughs) uh but no do people feel comfortable do people feel included blah 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 all that stuff but then in improv, it's kind of like, no, 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 stop questioning anything and just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah. Um, I've been at improv shows, like people who are really good, who have said the N word and I'm just like, no. But yeah, but if I like, I feel I didn't like approach them, but I feel like if I would have, they would, they would have said, oh, well, well, you know, it's you, you just say whatever comes to your mind. That's the art of improv. You're supposed to go with it. You're not supposed to don't think twice. Keep, you know. I just hope that's not the first thing that comes well, to someone's no, mind, I guess. I don't know. I think of stand-up comedians that I listen, like, that I hear and dislike. And I just think that there's so many funny things in the world that aren't pulling on systems of oppression. You know what I mean? This is probably too deep for this spot. No, but it's not. I just think that there's so many other areas to pull from. And if that's the area you need to pull from that, you really got to start questioning how you're benefiting from that and how you're furthering that. And I just think that someone can say, well, a racist joke is a racist joke. And to be able to say that means that you don't experience racism. You know what I mean? Or like. Uh, this joke about this rape joke is just a rape joke. It's not like I'm raping someone means that you're not a survivor of sexual assault who's then being triggered by this. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so I just think there's so much material in the world that doesn't rely on those. Yeah. Yeah. I also think I agree that the rule of improv is don't think twice and say the first thing that comes to mind. But another rule of improv is to play at the top of your intelligence. And I think the top of your intelligence should know that it's not okay whether or not you're on stage and have this little excuse for a brief moment to say, oh, sorry, it was the first thing that came to mind. What could I do? Don't think twice. Uh, The top of your intelligence would tell you that there's something better to say in that moment. Yeah. I I remember um, I've I've made jokes that I've regretted and I've apologized to people. Yeah, I think we all will. And that's why I'm saying... I keep watching How I Met Your Mother, even though there's these moments. Gilmore Girls is my favorite show of all time. And there's huge flaws in that show. Again, very problematic jokes. Uh, There's like a whole string of homophobic jokes in one episode. And I'm not excusing that. But I think that there's opportunity for growth in every show and every comedian's act and every improv scene or sketch. Okay, but did Alexis Bledel end up with the right person? Oh my god, she doesn't really end up with anyone. Really? Okay. No. Oh, okay. Spoiler Is alert. Is she happy? You know, no. <laughs> I don't think she is. Ugh. But I think she's a miserable person who kind of deserves to be miserable. For when a they bit. make um, Sister of the Traveling Pants three, are they actually making it? Is no. that real? But I'd I'd watch it. Oh my god, I follow Blake Lively on Instagram. I love her. And she posted a picture of the four of them together. And I thought maybe just maybe well, it's maybe. happening. Don't let me ruin it for you. <gasps> I can dream. <laughs> We've really covered a lot of topics in this segment of was that funny? Was it? Is it? Yeah. Was that segment funny? Well, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> Here we go. So this is a segment Comedy. where I, I do. You want to do that? Okay. I thought that and we nailed it. This is the time where uh, Christina is going to try to like go through some things that have been ruminating in your head, like jokes wise. <laughs> yeah. And you can tell me and I'll I'll provide you my honest like friend opinion. OK, so similar to last week with your pregnancy material, which is a, is a solid bit. Oh, we should do an update. Have you? No. OK, great. Sorry. Yes, we should do an update. But you and haven't the worked on it. No, OK, great. On it. No, that's fair. Uh, but have you thought through why you're attracted to pregnant women? Just like, well, on your commute to work. Uh, just like nice. Great. <laughs> so you're at the same stage you were same last stage. week. Okay. So we were in New York last month okay. to perform. Yes. You were there. I, I, I was there. Great. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure where you stayed, but I, uh, for the rest of my trip, stayed at this budget hotel in uh, Brooklyn. And... I don't have much here, but I think I have a really good premise for a stand-up bit. Okay. So one day, I went to the Continental Breakfast at this budget hotel. It was in the basement. It was very dark. There was no windows. And I don't know how to... It was the scariest experience of my life. It was utter chaos. There was like 50 people in this tiny square of a room that had like a waffle maker, (laughs) a toaster, like four oranges and like three yogurts left. And people were just grabbing everything they could. And there was like parents yelling at their smallest child that could like fit through this like crowd of people be like, get the last bagel, get the last bagel. Like it was madness. And this poor one hotel worker was just, excuse me. Excuse me, please only use the waffle maker for waffles. Please do not use the waffle maker for anything other than waffles. 
I left immediately. I was so overwhelmed. So my premise for a comedy... Do you, do you do you know any anarchists? <laughs> <laughs> I don't personally know. This is just a niche comedy set <laughs> for people. I think Otto is the right crowd who know a lot of manarchists who are like this combination of really uh, like dude bros, mm. you know. Yeah. So you know a dude bro uh, yeah. and then really, really believe that the state should be smashed <laughs> and we don't need the state system. Okay. Into this horrible thing. In my opinion, I'm going to lose friends over this if they listen to this podcast of a manarchist. It's very similar to a brochalist, but on the anarchist side. Okay. I would like to do a comedy set about manarchists at a continental breakfast at a discount hotel, uh, thinking that this is their paradise. Like, this is a stateless <laughs> room. And it is utter madness. And I just want them to be like just relishing in the joy of this and like urging people to break more rules. And then also yelling at this poor hotel worker who's like usually a woman who's just like they're just going to be yelling at her that she's the instrument of the state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thoughts. That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> So I like it because it paints a very vivid picture. Yeah. Like I'm picturing this right now and thinking that sounds like hell to me. Yeah. Um, I think there's lots of jokes about like, don't finish cooking those eggs because there's no, I don't know, like no regulation on how hot the toaster needs to be or the yeah. frying pan, do whatever you want. Um, and then there's like somebody vomiting from food poisoning. They're just loving it. Like, this is beautiful. Yes. This is what humanity is. Yes. Um, yeah, I think obviously there's lots there. Do you have, like, was there a joke in mind that you had? Like, I think there's a lot there with the waffle maker of like what else they could cram into the waffle maker. Yeah. Like I, as you were saying that, I was thinking who, like, what else are they making? Um, and obviously this. I feel uncomfortable saying manarchist, but is that a thing? Yes, okay. that is. JP, have you ever heard of a manarchist? No, JP is shaking his head like, no, that sounds crazy. Oh, he no, it's a real thing. <laughs> it's a dude bro yeah. who's a big anarchist. <laughs> yeah, I I have a whole other system of or like thoughts on that. But uh, anyway, I hope some of our listeners, if you know what a manarchist <laughs> is, please tweet us. Sure. Okay. If you are a manarchist and relate to this joke and are slightly insulted, that's fine. Tweet at me. Yeah. Okay. So I guess my, my thought would be who, what else are they making in the waffle maker? And then the manarchist could like keep encouraging people to like put weirder shit in the waffle maker because that's just his paradise. Like the, as the like the hotel attendant raises their frustration of like laying down the rules the manarchist raises equally to be like, no. Yeah. I want to start as like a very simple scene that like things are getting a little out of control because it's really like there's a breakfast rush coming. So like, yeah, someone's heating up their muffin in the waffle maker. But then I want the manarchist to really just try to take control of the mm -hmm. space and be like, this is it, people. This is where the uprisings, this is where the yeah, revolution from this point starts. On. And then I want him to take his elbow and just like smash the vending machine of juice boxes <laughs> and just start throwing juice boxes out to the masses, even though, to be clear, the juice boxes were free to begin with. Can can we pause this bit? Were there actually juice boxes at the yeah. Br Bron Continental Breakfast? Yeah. Huh. Is that not a common thing? I don't think so. Mm, I took an apple one. <laughs> okay. So anyway, in conclusion, that's a good bit. Thank 
you. Yeah. Okay, I feel good about it. I know there's some things to flesh out, and it depends on if the manarchist as a concept is well-known enough, which now I'm starting to question. I, two, two out of three are saying, what the hell's that? <laughs> yeah, that's worrisome to me, because <laughs> that's really the whole crux of the joke. Also, just a whole scene of him yelling at this poor hotel attendant. Yeah. Be like, what are you going to do? Ticket us? You going to ticket us? And she's like, I can get off in three hours. Please just let me finish my shift. Yeah. Oh, but then he could do like a thing about the plight of the minimum wage worker, too. That's just more real than anything. Oh, yeah. It's going all of my again. I know all of my material comes gets real, real fast. <laughs> Next week, I'll work on finding a joke that doesn't uh, include a concept that most people don't know about. No, I, but. You're a storyteller in your jokes. I know you are. So just tell a story. Okay. I really did. I paint the picture of the continental. You painted it really well. Okay, great. I can picture your hotel. Okay. And that's another segment of new material showcase, new material showcase. <laughs> Thanks for coming along on the new podcast road. With us. Hey everybody. Thank you for uh, sticking with us. As you made it to this far into the episode, you're probably thinking like, oh, I want to hear about what Matt has to say. <laughs> Get someone else <laughs> in the room. Add to the mix. Uh, but uh, we want to introduce you, uh, Matt. Um, you, Matt Barrow, you and I have um, taken a class together. A we've, couple. We've done some improv together. Yes. I've taken one. I'm over here. I've taken one with you. Yes. <laughs> cool. Uh, but Matt, tell us a little bit, just for people who don't know you about yourself, um, what? How, how long have you been doing comedy, and, and what's your... Tell us a well, little bit about your history. I guess, like, it really would be, like, what would... I'm going to do the air quotes. quotes. Air yeah. quotes. Uh, I keep on forgetting that I'm in... Pod, well, like, when I'm at podcasts, I keep forgetting that I'm in a podcast. <laughs> well, and I do, like, life. very hand stuff. Oh, we're handsy over here. Well, I, I did I a whole miming routine earlier. It's a whole segment. <laughs> it might get cut. I don't know. I can't wait to listen to that. <laughs> um... So, like, I'll just go to when I started doing improv as an adult. Yeah. Because I had, like, a whole stint uh, as, a, as a high school Were game. you a high school improver? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did some Canadian improv games. Like, the first competition I was ever in, and I think it was also, like, the last one, uh, we took on Canterbury. And right away, they're like, hey, everybody, we're Osgood Township High School, which is my high school, by the way. So, like, we're Osgood Township High School. Nah, those guys are losers. Screw them. And so, like, we all just, like, sat in the back, like, after they introduced themselves like that, just, like, mortified. I didn't really say anything throughout the entire competition. Nice. So I was, like, a background character <laughs> in an improv, like, at various improv sets and games. Yeah. Um, and then the car ride home, my dad's like, so, Matt, uh, they didn't let you talk much, did they? <laughs> the worst. So uh, it took me several years. To get over that. Oh, man. <laughs> Move on from that. That's fair. Um, and then a friend of mine, like, suggested, like, that I try the auto acting company's uh, improv thing. Yeah. And so I tried that. I really enjoyed it. Afterwards, talked to my teacher, like, what, are, what can I do to get more yeah. improv in my life? Yeah. And so from there, I found uh, what was then called the Experimental Farm Theater. Yeah. Uh, who were just doing workshops at the time. And then I just kind of, like, stuck with them. And it snowballed into me just like being an associate producer for like a lot of their shows. Yeah, I was going to say, you've gone from kind of saying goodbye to improv for a little bit to now you produce 12 a, shows a day, a significant amount of the shows that happen in this city, which is pretty crazy. Um, to, 
like, do you ever just like step back and think like, oh, like this is a big thing in my life now. This isn't just. Uh, yeah, it's a thing that my mom's worried about. Like, <laughs> like she, they're supportive about this. I don't want to ever like make it sound like my parents are supportive, but like, it's like, so if you're going to do all this, when are you, when are you going to find my future daughter-in-law? Mm. Through improv. <laughs> yeah. Like think of all the ladies you're meeting in the improv community. Yeah. And, and nothing is sexier than a man that just makes up a scene about jerking off. Yeah. You know? Or controls the lights from the back. Yeah, or that. <laughs> uh, I have all the power for the entire show. Uh, and and I, I'm not, I, I ask this to not put you on the spot, but as somebody who, like, you spend a lot of your time doing comedy now. Like, you, I know you write, I know you, you're you in improv, and I know you're producing shows. Like, it, are, do you think, like, how can I make this my... 24 seven. Like, are you looking to do even more? Like, are, is that what you're wanting to do? Uh, I kind of put that like in the far back of my mind. It's more of like a, Oh, it would be awesome if, yeah. But I feel like if I like, let that be a factor of like, like it's going to be my job. Yeah. Uh, like if that's the, what I'm reaching for always, I, I won't, I'll be like disappointed hmm. or also like, it'll just take away the fun of what I'm doing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you still having fun? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm still having fun. Uh, and, and we talked about this, you know, last week in a town that doesn't have a huge comedy scene. It's growing. But it's, it's growing, but it's not yeah, huge. Yeah. That stage time is like premium. Like it's so valuable. Mm-hmm. Like, do you, are you just craving stage time? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that didn't sound as like sure as it should have been. Um, I don't know. Seems like, like you're getting a lot of stage. Yeah, time. there's a, there's a lot of stage time. I feel like if you put in the work to produce your own thing a, a month, you can always put like get yourself yeah in there. But at the same time, at this point, I'm also like really excited to give other people opportunities hmm. with the shows I do. Have there been people that are just getting into comedy like? Just kind of brand new. And, and you, you can tell her so talented. And you see them and you'll be like, holy shit, that person Wasn't is really us. good. <laughs> I don't uh, like an easy question with an easy answer. the word perfect often. <laughs> but? But I'm just going to keep on not throwing that no, out. No, no, no. But, but we know. Though, have you seen people like perform in a show you produce and thought like, wow, that person has something that. Yeah. Um, and I, it kind of like seems a little obvious at points, I guess. Because I will, like, go right to them afterwards and, like, shake their hand. <laughs> Everyone yeah. else is just like, yeah, yeah. Uh... Am I going to get a handshake from Matt, too? No, no, no. Yeah. No, no. Well, it's like, sometimes they don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah. So it's like, who's that guy? <laughs> what's he What's he doing? Yeah. It's really... like... Go ahead. No, no, continue. Oh, I was just going to say, it's interesting because we practice improv and you yeah. take courses. And there's clearly skills that you can get better at and everyone's constantly learning. But do you actually think that there's like something that makes one person like naturally good and no one's naturally great at improv, I don't think, but naturally good at improv that you either kind of not have it or don't have it. But some people have it more initially than others do. I feel like uh, anything can be learned, but people do come with like stuff already like in their back pocket and it just gives them a a little bit of a boost Mm -hmm. if they continue with it. And if they keep on pressing harder, but I wouldn't say like, uh, cause I would always think that because I don't want to brag or anything. Don't brag, but you call this perfect. Go yeah. Ahead. I say it. Um, 
But I, I, I feel like I had a natural thing in the beginning as well. Hmm. But it was like just stage presence hmm. mostly. And then everything else had to be taught. Well, I, I can affirm that. So you don't even need to break. I can actually say I did a scene with you and maybe, sorry, maybe I was even on the side and I watched you do a scene and you didn't even say much, but your facial expressions and how you carried your character. I thought, Hey, like this, this guy's funny. And I, it, I think it was even a scene where you didn't say much. And I just was thinking like, this guy didn't say much, but I know that he's funny. Yeah. I think it's just the, like there's people that you can see and be like, they, if they know what's funny, but they, they do it in a creative way. I think, yeah. I think it could also just be as easy as not being nervous right away. Like if you're naturally a bit outgoing and you uh, are comfortable on a stage, you're not constantly thinking of what you're going to say next. So you have the opportunity to be a bit better at it from the get go. Yeah. It took me about a year to not be nervous. Yeah. Uh, or after even a decent set to yeah. then like immediately shit on myself. Yeah. Like uh, a member of my team, Trevor, like Angus could easily agree with me. Like he had to, confirm that i did a decent job mm. after every show sounds so familiar yeah i don't i don't know what you're talking about after every show ryan and i like almost simultaneously message each other being like well i was shit you were great but i was just shit yeah and then yeah. the other one has to be like you were so good that's, you listened so well shut up i was shit member. yeah because we we're talking about it earlier today i want to i want to ask you and this is only for the people who have been with us from the start have you done a joke ever in your life that you've regretted because you felt like, oh, that didn't come across well and is perhaps offensive? Or have you done a joke where you might have offended somebody and you like wish you could have taken it back? Especially in improv where you're like, okay, so fast. Yeah, don't think about it. Just say it. Yes. Okay. I think that's going to be the answer for everyone. Yeah. I really don't think anyone will have ever not said something that they're like, oof. I think there's a spectrum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Like, uh, yeah, I've always, I've said, like, I'm not gonna say I always do it, but like, I've done it before and it honestly sits with me for a mm -hmm. long yeah. time. Yeah. It sits. Yeah. I've, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good sign though. Cause it means that we are reflecting on it and then learning from it and we're not going to make that mistake again. Yeah. yeah. Rather than just being like, oh, well it happened. It happened. Whatever. People are too sensitive. Bye. I hate <laughs> that. Peace. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for joining us. No problem. Thank you. Uh, and thank you, listeners, for joining us in episode two. This is fun. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Oh, good. And thank <laughs> you, JP, for being around for session number two. I appreciate it. Can I say one thing before we go? I was just going to say that in both skits we've done so far, I've played a very uh, promiscuous woman who's either trying to leave her husband or is cheating on her husband. And I'm worried. Pull from reality. <laughs> if you're listening, I'm cheating on you. No! <laughs> Have a good week. Today's episode was recorded in Ottawa, Ontario at Pop-Up Podcasting, featuring Christina Muehlberger and Ryan Mulligan, recorded by J.P. Davidson, and featuring music by Nikolai Haidless, Mr. Gavin, and Fox Beat Music, all available on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening. Do you want to, we could do like, uh, do you want to do the hey though? Like, hey, welcome? No. No? Are you going to make me do it? Yeah. The patriarchy taught me that men are better at things <laughs> than me. And so I feel like you should take the lead on that. Okay.